one more one more thing that um, that we'll uh, we'll let you know let you know about um, Chandler. Won't you won't you won't you come up here with me for a second? So, Chandler, uh, how long you been? How long you been coming here? I don't even know how long I've been here. I'd have to look at my wife too. How long you? Three years. All right. Chandler's been here about three years, and um, he showed up, but because of a girl, and he just never left. And uh, it wasn't he? He didn't just pick this. Don't. He just showed up because of a girl. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, <clears throat> Chandler's been here a number of years, and. Uh, He's done a lot, volunteered places. Uh, him and Brother Dylan been, I don't know, probably halfway through discipleship. Just anyway, long story short, God has done a lot in Chandler's life recently uh, that brung him to where he's at uh, at this point, to, to like a, a head, if you would, last Sunday. And uh, I'll, you, you, you kind of, if you want to, just however you want to say it, take off from there. Uh, there's been a lot of things going on in my life some of you know some of you don't um, and through that and some puzzle pieces put together through the last couple of months um, and some messages with uh, with Lee and meeting with Lee and um, Dylan and um, Brandon his message um, about love and loving God before you can love your family. Um, hit really close to home with everything that I've been going through. And last Sunday in Lee's office, we sat down and I accepted Christ. Amen. So, um, for those of you that, that don't know, uh, it's a funny thing. Hut asked, or Ridge asked me last weekend, uh, this past Wednesday, he's like, why do people get saved when they're, like, older? And I'm like, well, because they're lost. Well, why didn't they just get saved when they were young like we do? You know, it's just a common thing for kids <laughs> growing up. Listen, it don't happen the same for everybody, right? Sometimes it takes a lot of circumstances. What 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 we always say, hey, the Spirit of God ought to bear witness in your heart. Amen. And and we sat back there and Chandler, I I could see the lights, the the light, the dots start connecting in his mind. And before we knew it, uh Chandler's at a place where I, yeah, dude, I I've never been saved. Well, all right. Well, that I mean, in that that was really the the hardest part. After that, it was super easy. Like everything was all down. I mean, it was it was all downhill from there. But I mean, how many hours did we spend on the front side of that? And man, I I just listen. Man, we ought to just praise the Lord that God meets people in the middle of all their all their junk. Like that last song, all their craziness, all of their inconsistencies, all of their blemishes, all their shortcomings, and shows them that they indeed need to be born again. And so I just want to, man, I just want to say praise the Lord, and uh, we'll we'll get you baptized here soon. But how many how many of you how many of you are super proud for Chandler? Amen. Um, have say brother. It it took a it took a lot. Um, I say it all the time. It it takes a lot for a religious man, uh, a lot more uh, for a religious man to admit his lostness than it does uh, than it does somebody like me. Came in church, look. I, mean, I was looking for Jesus. I mean, I, I was looking for somebody. I didn't know it was necessarily Jesus. Um, but it takes a lot for people to drop their pride and their religious pride and say, "Man, I need to be saved." Like that's a big deal. And so I don't want it to go unnoticed, um, and especially, uh, you know, in the day and age in which we live, man, it's just, it's a good thing for all of us just to, man, get together and praise the Lord for, for somebody coming to, to faith in Christ. 
And so, uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen? All right. Um, <clears throat> you know what? Take, take your Bible, and uh, if you wanted to turn to a place in your Bible, you could go to Luke. Um, you go to Luke chapter number 7. That's where we'll be for the majority of our time. We've got a few places that we're going to cover, and most of them will uh, be on the screen, but we've got a few places uh, to cover uh, places of scripture to cover before we get there. Um, I I have been in uh, I've been dealing with some stuff uh, concerning Jesus Christ and just who he is, what he what he what he claimed to be, who the Bible said he was, and so we we've dealt with a couple of different things about Jesus over the last several weeks, and and then next week we'll we'll finish up maybe uh, somewhere around the cross resurrection, and um, but but. But this phrase has been used a lot. There's actually songs uh, that have been made. Jesus, uh, the the friend of sinners, um, and 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 praise the Lord for it. I, I think there's a Casting Crown song. I listened to it the other day. It actually, that man, it is a fantastic song that portrays Jesus for exactly who he is. But but I want us to look at that phrase this morning, and I want to uh, I want to examine exactly what that means Jesus the friend of sinners I want to see exactly what that means not from a worldly standpoint not from my standpoint not from your standpoint not from the songwriter standpoint but I want to look at it from a biblical perspective and I want us to actually examine what is this Jesus the friend of sinners when you hear the phrase uh, the Bible only uses it twice and it's an interesting phrase it's interesting because it's only said by Jesus Christ. It's only said by Jesus Christ, and it's, it's used in such a way that Jesus is describing himself as the Pharisees have described him. Does that make sense? This, the way it's said, the phrase in your Bible, the way it's said, is Jesus Christ describing himself the way that the Pharisees have already described him. Why, why is that such a big deal? Well, because he's throwing them back, he's throwing it back on them. But he's not, he, he's not, he's not saying that's not him. He's not saying I'm not a friend to sinners. He's not saying I don't hang out with them. He's not saying any of that. He's not, he's not denouncing any of that. And, 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 and I would say it like this. It, you can almost uh, you can almost say it like this, is they're accusing him of being friend of sinners. This actually isn't the only time that Jesus Christ has been accused of being something that he would own up to. If you remember, he's standing in Pilate's hall. And there he owns his kingly position. It's Pilate, that's, it, uh, it, the Bible says in Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 27 and verse 11, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. You see, it's not the only time in Scripture that Jesus was accused of being something and didn't, own, and didn't necessarily own up to it nor deny it. I think it's amazing that Jesus Christ was actually indeed a friend of sinners. And at the same time, he could stand before Pilate and say, Thou sayest. That at the same time that he was a friend of sinners, that he walked the roads in Galilee, that he walked the roads and stood with publicans and sinners, that same Jesus Christ would stand before the governor that day and he would, as he said, they say you're the king of the Jews. Not only is he the king of the Jews, but he's, but he's the king of heaven. Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I am the thou sayest. Praise the Lord, man. Praise the Lord that no that, that that is who Jesus Christ is. But so yes, he he owns it. He indeed he he was the friends of sinners, and and thank God he was the friend of sinners, right? Thank God that he would be found within the presence of sinners. Why? Because if he had not been found within the presence of sinners, you and I would have no place. You and I would have no part in Jesus Christ had he not been found in the presence of sinners. This was never, though, this was never the intentions of his accusers. His accusers would never accuse him of being the friend of sinners the way you and I look at it today. 
When I hear that he's the friend of sinners, son, it, it brings a special beat to my heart. When I hear that he's a friend of sinners, it makes my heart leap with joy. I have within me this overwhelming sense of peace that yes, indeed, Jesus Christ is my friend. And thank God that he is. You see, they were accusing him because they hated him. They were accusing him because they despised him. They were accusing him because they rejected him. They were accusing him trying to ridicule him. They were accusing him trying to bring shame to his name. And they, they didn't know though that by trying to do what they did, they would give Jesus a name, one of the greatest names that the Bible could have ever given. Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners. You see, they unknowingly branded him throughout all the pages of history. Throughout all the pages of history, they branded Jesus Christ as the friend of sinners. They sought to, to mar his reputation. They sought to see him scorned. They sought to see him defamed and defiled by the thought of him being willing, by him being willingly in the presence of sinners. Like you just didn't do that. Prophets just didn't do that. And, and, and so now they're trying to see him defamed and defiled. But see, here's, here's what they were doing. It was designed. This name was designed to be a stigma. This name was designed to be attached to him as a stigma. But, but here's, here's, here's where the whole thing changes. It proven itself true in many hearts that were there in the crowds that day. Many, many broken people came to a Savior because of this one phrase. No doubt there may be somebody in here and you came to Jesus Christ because of this one phrase. You knew He could be your best friend. This morning, I, I want to look at the places where Jesus was labeled the friend of publicans and sinners. And then we'll look at, we'll look at a few places and then we'll look at uh, Luke chapter number 7. Uh, I, I, I think we all know what a, a, a sinner was. But there was this other phrase that was included in, in the midst of this sinner uh, title. It was called a publican. It was one that took, that took tax of the public. They took revenue of the public. And, and, and why is that so big, such a big deal? Well, because they're kind of like the IRS. Nobody really likes the IRS. At least, I don't know anybody that would admit they like the IRS anyway. They're all the time taking your money. It's the same deal. It's the same deal. They look down on with scorn. And, 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 and Jesus is in the middle of publicans and sinners. And so this morning, I want to look at that. And I want to I just kind of see what is, what is the big deal with Jesus being the friend of sinners. So first place I want to look at is the calling of Matthew. In Matthew chapter number 9, the calling of Matthew is, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came down and sat with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Why eateth your master with the publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, that uh, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what, the, uh, what that meaneth. I, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus here in Matthew has, has found a group of people that understood themselves and who they was. Well, what did they understand? They understood they were, sin they were sinners, and then there was another group that did not understand who they were. They, they didn't understand that they were indeed sinners. And so they asked the question, why is your master sitting around with a bunch of publicans and sinners? Don't he know that he's gonna don't he know that he's gonna mar his reputation? Don't he know that he's gonna defame himself? Don't he know he's gonna carry a certain kind of a stigma? And Jesus comes back and he says this they that are whole need not a physician. They understand they are not whole and they need a physician. You believe that you're whole and you don't need a physician. I'm not sitting with you because you don't understand what I'm here for anyway. 
So he says, I've not come to call the righteous. And when we say righteousness, righteous, we understand we're talking about their own righteousness. Their, their own righteousness, which Isaiah said was as filthy rags, but yet they thought they had righteousness. Then there's the record of, of Jesus giving John the, the accolades he so rightly deserves for his service as the forerunner of Christ. Matthew 11 says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, skip down to verse number 18 with me. Now, this is a, a recounting, if you would, of, of what happened in Matthew 9. For, for John came ne uh, neither eating nor drinking. And they say he hath the devil. So, so John, he didn't eat with the sinners and he didn't go hang out with the sinners. Are you, are you trying to learn to say that? John didn't do that. What was John doing? John was out in the woods, clothed in camel's hair, uh, and, and eating locusts and wild honey. That's what John was doing. John was the psychopath out in the woods, right? He's calling all these fools to repentance. Uh, and, and, and so Jesus is making a comparison. He's saying, hey, look, John didn't eat with sinners, and John didn't drink with sinners, and you're saying that John hath a devil. So I come on the scene, the Son of Man, he came on the scene eating and drinking, and they say, man, look at this dude. Behold, a gluttonous and wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. You ever heard that old phrase, danged if you do and danged if you don't? That's where we are. Can't do nothing right. These old boys, they're not happy with John. John's out here and he's, the Bible says he's laying the axe to the root of the tree, the heart of the problem, the root of the problem. I mean, he's laying it down. They come out there and they're looking at John. He said, boys, would you come out here to see? Why did you come out here? He said, you, you generation of vipers, bring, bring fruits, meat worthy of repentance. Bring me something that says you have a repentant heart, I'll baptize you. And then Jesus comes on the scene. He goes up in the, you know, he's going up in the, the, the middle of the publicans and the sinners and hanging out with them and, and, and doing his thing. And, 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 and you, you can't please that side that way either. They're like mad if you're they're mad if you're straight laced and you're out in the woods and you're calling everybody you're preaching from a stump out in the middle of the woods acting like a fool, and then they're mad if you you you're going in up in the middle of them. There's another place in in Mark chapter number Mark chapter number two. This is the calling of Levi. And as he passed by. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in the house, many publicans and sinners also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many. And they followed him. Publicans and sinners are following Jesus. Now, now look. Look at verse 16, when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Same kind of verbiage. They that are whole need not need uh, have, uh, have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Now, now I want you to look in Luke chapter number 5. In Luke chapter number 5, now this is the same story. This is the calling of Luke in, 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 uh, in uh, Levi in the book of Luke. It's the same story, but Luke gives a little bit more detail about how these publicans and sinners ended up sitting around and eating with Jesus. Now, I want you to look at this. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. Sitting at the receipt of custom, he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose, uh, left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. So soon as he, he, he rose up and, and started following Jesus, Levi, uh, he decided, all right, we're going back to my house and we're going to make a, a, a great feast. And now look what happens. And there was a great company of publicans 
and of others that sat down with them. You know, that whole follow me and I'll make you fishers of men things real. That whole follow me and, make, and I'll make you fishers of men thing ought to burn in your heart just a little bit. You say, what do you mean? It ought to make us do what Levi did. You see, all evangelism methods don't have to be the same. But this was Levi's. Levi's following Jesus Christ. And because he's following Jesus Christ, he's making a feast in his own house. And, and now there's a great company that's sitting down with him in verse number 30. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against the disciples, saying, What do you eat and drink with the pub- Why do you eat and drink with the publicans and sinners? And Jesus said, They that are holding you not a position, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Man, it's crazy that as soon as Luke started following Jesus, he went to his, he started using his own house and his own food as methods of evangelism. You're saying God wants to use my house? Yes, Jordan, I'm saying God wants to use your house. For all of you that know that know Jordan, she, uh, I can say I'm inviting like so-and-so over. I can say I'm inviting y'all over. Oh, okay. Well, well what are we eating? I don't know. I, I kind of fly by to see my pants on that kind of thing. Look, I'll invite the whole church over, and Jordan's like, uh, why, 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 why did you do that? I don't know. Why not? You know, it's crazy. For some people, it's really easy, and for other people, it's really hard. But here's, here's what you need to get. God wants to use everything you have. To call sinners to repentance. And that's what he did with Levi. God used Levi at a moment in time to see sinners come to repentance. There's another time he's accused of receiving, there's another time that he's, he's accused of receiving sinners. And it's on the heels of some, now I want you to see this, it is on the heels of some of the hardest words ever spoken in the Bible. Well, what would that be? Luke 14 and verse 25. And there went, and remember, words are really important in your Bible, right? And there went great multitudes with him. Now, how many of you understand, uh, multitudes is a, is a lot of people, and great multitudes is a, is a whole lot more people, Right? There's multitudes and then there's great multitudes, right? So there's a great multitude that went with him and he turned in the middle of this great multitude. He turned and said unto him, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his his mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, what is it? He cannot be my disciple. And And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Skip down to verse 34. Salt is good. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? So, 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 so this thing of salt is, is good. But if it's lost its ability to do what it's purpose to do, It's neither, according to verse 35, it's neither fit for the land nor, nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that hath ears, let him hear. Man, greater hope, Baptist church. If you have ears to hear that, you, you need to hear it. If you, as, as, as salt is God has called you, if you have lost what you were purposed to do, you're neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill.
Look at verse. Look at chapter fifteen and verse one. Then. Then. You see that? You're, you're right after chapter fourteen. Right on the heels of chapter, man, if you don't bear my cross, you cannot be my disciple. Now, we know that biblical word for hate is a much different word than what we, what we say hate is nowadays. But right on the heels of that, here's what happens. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So all the publicans and sinners had ears to hear in that great multitude. So they drew near. They got real close to him. <laughs> and you ready for the contrast? And the Pharisees. There's always a contrast with the Pharisees. And the stinking, rotten, self-righteous Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners. Hallelujah for that. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, he receiveth sinners. He just said, if any man will come after me, let him, let, let him hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters and his own life also. And guess what happens when they heard it? They drew near unto him and they're mad because he's receiving, they're drawing near unto him. This man receiveth sinners and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he received sinners of whom we should be chief in this room. Amen? And he spake a parable unto, him, unto them. What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? When he hath found it, he layeth, layeth it on his shoulder, re, shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And remember, he came not to call the just person. Why? Because they were justified in their mind. They were justified in their works. They were 99 of them that were justified in their own self-righteousness, in their own works. But no, God, God is not worried about that. Now, what, what, why? Why? Because you cannot be born again being in the place where you're justified by your own self-righteousness, by your own good works. God understands that you're dead and you're going to stay dead in your own sin until you see yourself as a hardened criminal sinner against God this is where they are he said man all of heaven rejoices over that one sinner that comes to Jesus Christ in repentance more than there are 99 just persons 99 Pharisees 99 scribes 99 hypocritical religious Mean, dogmatic about their traditions, Pharisees. There's another time that he's accused of, of being a guest or a friender, a friend, a friend of sinners. I was wondering when that was going to happen. This was with a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is 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 not we. I, Hadn't talked about Zacchaeus much, but but we need to we need to we'll look at that this morning. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, uh, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans, and and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, for he was, for he could not see, uh, could not for the the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste 
and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now, now I, 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 want, I want you to see this. He is a chief among what? Publicans. All right, you, you, get, get, get with me where we are. We're in Luke chapter number 19. He's a chief among publicans. I would say that we have, we, there has been plenty of dwellings with publicans and sinners up to Luke chapter 19 of Jesus, right? Now, I've heard this, I've heard this story preached a, a, a bunch of times in my younger age. And I don't know that anybody's ever gave an adequate description of, uh, of commentary on, on this whole deal of Jesus just looking, just happened to look up in a sycamore tree and there stands Zacchaeus. I don't know that anybody's actually ever gave me any good reason. And, and, but, but as I put this piece, started putting the pieces together, for the friend of sinners, for the friend of publicans and sinners, I, I, I came to, to a conclusion about Zacchaeus. This wasn't Zacchaeus' first time ever seeing Jesus. This probably wasn't Zacchaeus' first time ever hanging out with Jesus. But this was the first time that Zacchaeus, Jesus, it, it, one way it works is Jesus goes to the publicans and sinners. This time, Zacchaeus is coming to Jesus. And for the first time, Zacchaeus comes to Jesus. And he climbs up in a sycamore tree and Jesus notices that Zacchaeus is trying to see him. Now I want you to get this, when Jesus Christ notices that you're coming to him, guess what he does? Guess what he does? When Jesus Christ notices you coming to him, ain't it just amazing? He comes to you. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry up, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured this was, uh, that he was going to be a guest uh, with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said, This day is salvation come to this house for as much, uh, for, as, uh, for so much as... He also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Man, can you imagine old Zacchaeus as he's walking around? He goes to so-and-so that, that, that's fallen on hard times, and he, what, he goes up to their house and knocks on their door and says, Man, I, listen, I'm sorry, but... I, I'm here to I, I I gotta give I gotta give your money back. I got I gotta give I gotta give you your money back and I gotta give you four times what I took from you. Why? Well, because I lied and I cheated you out of this money and man you just wouldn't believe it. I've been I've been hanging around Jesus so long, he ended up coming to my house. And that's what happens. You hang around Jesus long enough, you're either gonna get in or you're gonna get out. And so happened Zacchaeus got in. And I can't imagine Zacchaeus going. To, can you imagine being Zacchaeus and going and knocking on all them doors? One, 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 going and knocking on all them doors, and he he says, "If I have taken anything, uh, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, how many of you know that's an admittance to taking things by false accusation? You don't just buck up and say, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, no, in the back of his mind." There's a place where he knew he had been taking stuff by false accusation. But I want to look at this one, and, 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 and we'll run through this one as quick as we can. This last one I think we could highlight. It's in Luke chapter number 7. Verse 33, For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, uh, nor drinking wine, and you say he hath a devil. The Son of Man is come and eating and is come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. 
But wisdom is justified of all her children. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Now we know this man to be Simon the leper. And behold, a woman in the city which was a what? A sinner. A woman in the city which was a sinner. Now I want you to notice there's a few things that are similar to what happened with Zacchaeus. There's a few things that are kind of similar to what has happened with Zacchaeus. And I want you to see this. Behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now remember, same thing as Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has found out that Jesus is coming through. He wants to get up in the, in the, in the sycamore tree and see him. Same thing happens with this woman in the city. Now notice what happens verse 38. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. And began to wash his feet with her tears. And did wipe them with the hairs of her head. And kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisees, which, uh, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it. He spake within himself saying this man if he were a prophet. Would have known who and what manner of woman that is that toucheth him. For she is a sinner. In his heart, he's saying, "Man, if, if he would have known all, if he would have known all of the men that she has touched, he wouldn't let. He, she wouldn't. She wouldn't be doing that to him. There ain't no way he's a prophet. He's got to be a fraud. There's no way that he could that, that he would let a woman do that to him with a reputation like she had." Look what, look what Jesus says in verse 40. Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 30 pence. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which one of, the, which of them will love the most, will love him the most. And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he, to me, forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears, and hath wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time, uh, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, my head, with oil. Thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, you ready for this? The same loveth little. The same loveth little. Now, I think it's interesting when we look at this story, Jesus, when we look at this story as of Jesus being the friend of sinners, there's some things that we see. And why is this so significant? Because the friendship that we have with Jesus Christ ought to do something to you and me. The understanding of who Jesus is as a friend of sinners ought to do something to me and you. It ought to motivate us. It ought to, it ought to cause us to have a certain level of dedication. It ought to cause us to contemplate our life as it pertains to Jesus Christ being our friend. There were some things that I've seen happen in Luke chapter number 7 that really I, I believe I could tie all together with everywhere that you find this friend of sinner. But, 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 but I, I want you to make sure that you take away from it a biblical perspective of what it means for Jesus Christ to be called the friend of sinners. Because see, here's what happens. There's a lot of people in this world we live in today that are calling him the friend of sinners. But they wouldn't 
that wouldn't call sin, sin for anything. They're calling him a friend of sinners because it makes you feel good, it makes you feel warm, it makes you feel fuzzy. Oh, Jesus is the friend of sinners, and we sing hallelujah to that, we sing praise the Lord to that. You know, everybody's rocking and swaying back, oh yeah, Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. But, but I want you to make sure you understand. There's a biblical way this happens. Jesus Christ wasn't out, wasn't out just hanging out in the bars. I, I mean, I got, I got people, we've had people in this church that have used that very phrase. Well, Jesus was the friend of sinners. I'm talking about Saturday night had posted pictures of a party that they were at on Facebook. And Facebook, God help us. Man, if you're going to go to a party, please don't post them on Facebook. If you're going to go to a party and you're going to get lit, I mean, just don't, don't. I mean, I don't want you to. I, I, think, you're, I think you really need a, a heart check. But if you're going to do that, don't give me any ammunition. But I've had people come in and I say, man, dude, what, what happened to you last night? Oh, man, we just, we just, we got, we had a few too many beers. We drank a few too many. We funneled a few too many. I'm like, dude, I thought God called you out of that. Well, you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Well, let's, let's, let's examine that phrase. Just, it, 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 I promise you, it won't take long. I say it all the time, and I lie all the time. This one ain't going to take long. Number one, his friendship with sinners brought sinners to repentance and faith in himself. His friendship with sinners brought sinners to repentance and faith in himself. In verse 37, Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the, uh, was sat at, uh, at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought something. She brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now, now make sure you get this. Much like Zacchaeus, she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house. It had been told somehow or another that Jesus was in the house of Simon the leper, Simon the Pharisee, and she had gotten word that he was there. And so what does she do? Well, the Bible says she does some things that are very significant. I believe that she had studied Jesus before she ever came to Luke chapter 7. I believe that she had sat with Jesus. I believe she had heard Jesus speak enough. I believe that she had heard the Savior call them to repentance enough. Why? Well, because if he was going to make his followers fishers of men, well, it would just serve right that he was a fisher himself. It would just serve right that he would be the one modeling what he would call his men to do. What he would call his disciples to do. And no doubt when he was sitting with friend, and being a friend to publicans and sinners, he's preaching repentance and faith in him. This isn't the first time that she's ever come up on Jesus. This is somebody she's watched. This is somebody she's listened to. Why would you say that? Well, to understand that from in an adequate perspective, I want you to look at Mark chapter 14 and verse 5. Uh, the, 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 this, is, this gives us another look into how much what she gave actually cost. For it, had might, it, for it, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor and they murmured against her. All right, this is the same deal. This is how much that this whole that this alabaster uh, alabaster box of ointment cost uh, nearly three hundred pence, which was uh, which was nearly a year's wage at that point. She gave up nearly a year's wage. Most of the time, this alabaster box wouldn't have been broken until her wedding day. But now she sees someone for the first time worthy to give her life to. For the first time she sees somebody worthy of this alabaster box that was very costly and that the symbolism of the alabaster box will be given to her husband. She now sees somebody that's willing, that, that is worthy of following. That is worthy of giving. So what does she do? 
She stands behind the feet of Jesus. Not in front of him. She's now, she, she understands her place and she's getting that, that he is Jesus Christ. Why? Because again, she's now built an admiration. She has, she's built, uh, she, she's got honor. She's deemed somebody worthy. She's willing to give all she had. Why? Because I believe that she's studied. I believe she's watched. I believe she's listened to Jesus as they sat around and as they talked and Him being a friend to sinners. You see, the, the, the evangelism method of the entire Bible is this. Be friends to sinners. And when you do it, it ought to bring sinners to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. If you ain't doing it that way, you ain't doing it right. You're not meant to build somebody's self-help, self-help counsel because you, you, you have a Bible in your hand. Should you counsel people? Yeah. But if it doesn't bring them back to the ultimate place to where they need Jesus Christ, you're doing it wrong. Everything in life points us to the fact that you and me ought to be bringing people to Jesus Christ. The Bible says she began to wash his feet with her tears. The customary, uh, uh, the customs of the day was that Simon should have offered Jesus water to wash his feet, but she seen his feet was dirty. She's seen a way that she could serve Jesus Christ at that point in her life. And she did wipe them with the hairs of her head. The same feet that would just shortly be pierced with a spike and be nailed to a Roman cross. She is now wiping with her hair and she is kissing those same feet and anointing those same feet with ointment. You say, why would she do that? Because his friendship with sinners brought this sinner woman to a place of repentance and faith in who he was and him being the Christ. Acts 20 and verse 21 testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. This was the Christ and she knew it. Nothing else had to tell her that this was the Christ, but more than that, she knew as much as she knew He was the Christ. More than that, guess what she knew? She knew she was a sinner. Romans 3 says it like this, For all have sinned. And she found out for sure that all have come short of the glory of God. But verse 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation or a payment through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth. Romans 5 says it like this, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, uh, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some will even dare to die. But God commended his, love, commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you getting me? For, scar- for, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some will even dare to die. But, but here it is, God commended his, tor- his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. And we didn't deserve this. His friendship with sinners birthed a, lo- birthed a love that was deep. His friendship with sinners birthed a love that was deep. Verse 40, he's telling Simon, he says, Man, I, I got a problem with what you got saying, what you got going on in your heart right now. He says, There's a certain creditor, and, and, and one of them owed 500 pence, one of them owed 30. I forgave them both. Who's going to love me the most? Now, now, now get, get, get it with me. Who's gonna, Simon, who's going to love me the most? Well, the, the, one, the one, can you imagine Simon stuttering around? Well, you know, 
I, I guess the one you forgave the most. That was rightly judged. You know why I think some people stick it out? You know why I said you know why some people you know why I think some people can't be pulled out of the out of the church for anything? I think it's this principle right here. I think they understand what while they they may not be doing anything, you can't run them off. Because there is in their heart, they understand within their heart, man, I, man, Jesus Christ forgave me a lot. It birthed a love in her heart. Simon was embarrassed by this sinner. Simon is embarrassed by this sinner woman. Simon is embarrassed to be in the presence of this sinner woman. Simon's embarrassed that she's touching Jesus. Simon's embarrassed that people are looking at this woman touching the feet of Jesus. You know what I found out? The people that love Jesus the most are oftentimes the people that embarrass carnal Christians the most. People say, oh, I'm embarrassed to do this. I'm embarrassed. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's embarrassment as much as it is carnality. Well, I can't do this. Now, I don't know that it's that. I, 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 don't, I, I just can't do this. I, you know what I think it is? I think it's that love factor. I think it's the love factor within them that they have not adequately accounted for how much they love or don't love Jesus Christ. And you don't know how much, you, you want to know how much you love Jesus Christ? Figure out how much he, gave for, he forgave. See, that's what true repentance does. True repentance, it creates love. True repentance. It creates love. It creates a love for Jesus Christ. Simon couldn't see his sin. Simon's real problem was he was blind. He couldn't see himself for who he was. The woman, on the other hand, all she could see was she's a sinner. And then number three. His friendship with sinners created faithful followers. His friendship with sinners created faithful followers. Verse 48, he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. You know the story says, who is that that forgives sins also? And he said unto the woman, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Now we don't know what actually, there's a lot of people that say John chapter 8 has the same woman in it. I don't actually believe it does. We don't know what actually happened to this woman. After that day, but we, we, do, we do have John chapter 15. Daniel, you want to play that piano for me if you would? We do have John chapter number 15. I want to pull, the, I want to pull a principle out from John 15 that I think will, that will give us an idea of where this woman is today or where this woman went after, after uh, uh, Luke chapter 7 and verse 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, now notice what he does in, in verse 14. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I commanded you. Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. And remember, he eateth and he drinketh with publicans and sinners. He says in verse 15, I'm not calling you servants. How many of you understand that you are servants in here? You understand that? You are, you are servants. Jesus says in, Mark, in John 15, I'm not calling you servants. Well, what is he calling you? I'm calling you friends. 
Why, why, am I calling, why, why am I calling you friends? Well, b- because, because servants knoweth not what his Lord doeth. He just gets the orders and he does it. Like he's getting orders. Think about uh, he gets the orders from his Lord and he just goes and, do, and does them. And Jesus, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm letting you know who I am. I'm eating and drinking with you. I'm, I, the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. I, but I'm laying my head where you're laying your head. I, I, the Son of Man is, 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 is out in the back, but guess who's with him? These disciples are with him. He's letting them see his life. He's, he's putting his life on display, and he's putting his life in a place to where they can see his life for what it is. And so what happens? Here's what happens. I've called you friends. Now, now what, what's interesting is his friendship with those sinners. It caused those faithful followers of that day to rock the world. You know who's really going to rock the world for Jesus? His friends. You know who's going to rock somebody's world for Jesus? His friends. Jesus ain't looking for you to turn the world upside down. He's looking for you to turn somebody's world upside down. We say it all the time. Look, we're, we, it, it was never about the masses with Jesus Christ. It was about one at a time. And it's still the same way today. Most of us have not cultivated a real friendship with Jesus. And I'm afraid because we haven't cultivated a real friendship with Jesus Christ. We actually aren't in the business of being fishers. How does his friendship change your life? How does the things that, 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 that you heard today About his friendship with Sarah. How does that change? How does that change your life today? Because it ought to change it. It ought to move it from one place to the next. It ought to make you think about the things concerning Jesus Christ that's been preached today. Jesus, the friend of Sarah. Because see, here, here's the deal. The world would paint it out like it's something different than what it is. His friendship brings people to repentance and faith. His his friendship brings about a a deep love for him. And man, his friendship, it, it creates faithful followers. And I don't know, I I don't know. Maybe you maybe you You've already been to the place of faith and repentance. Maybe you've already been saved. And you're thinking, man, why in the world can't I? I just want to love Jesus. But you've got to come to a place to where you see yourself as that woman saw herself. Man, behind him. y'all messing with about there boys behind him behind him not in front of him you hear what I'm saying some of us want to love Jesus out in front of Jesus you won't be seen before Jesus is seen you want everybody to know you worshiping. You want everybody to know you giving money. You want everybody to know you doing this. You want everybody to know you doing Listen, that ain't real love. Friend, that ain't real love. If you got to be seen first, that ain't real love. 
You don't really love Jesus. You love yourself and you love people being able to see that you might love Jesus. Because we don't know that you really love Jesus or not. That's all told out. That's all told the course of your life. I don't, I don't, I, listen, I don't care what you say in here. Monday's what matters. I don't care what you say in here. Monday, if your feet don't hit the floor like they did on Monday, like they do on Sunday, then you don't love Jesus like you say you do. And being friend, this friendship that Jesus had with sinners, it brought about a deep love for Jesus Christ. And then that last one, his friendship with sinners created people that were, that were following him. It created people that had counted the cost. Realize that? Those same people, it created in them, they had to count the cost to follow Jesus Christ. Are you, 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 you count the cost? Have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost of following Jesus Christ? Maybe there's somebody in here and, and, and you've never you've never placed your faith in Jesus. This would be a great, great time to do it. This would be a great time to do it. Maybe, maybe it's this whole love thing that you got going on. I don't know what it is. And it don't matter. But here's what here's what I do know. Jesus became a friend of sinners to change our lives. And that's what he wants to do today. Let's do this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't nobody looking around right here. I wonder if, man, would there be anybody in here and you'd say, man, I, I, I'd like for you to pray for me. I don't want you to come to me. I'd like for you to pray for me, though. Um, I, uh, if I die right now, I don't have any assurance of my salvation. And so, if if you would, if you would pray for me, I sure would appreciate it. Would you just slide your hand up? Would you slide your hand up long enough for me to see it and slide it right back down? See, I'd just like for you to pray for me. Just slide it up and slide it right back down. I promise you I ain't going to come to you. I'm just going to pray for you. Okay? I wonder if maybe somebody in here, and you're, you're dealing with that whole love factor. I, 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 I want to love Jesus, and then I, I, I do all this stuff. I mean, I, I need to come to the place where I can reconcile in my own heart this understanding that, that I didn't deserve. He's my friend. And he forgave a lot. Man, could you do that this morning? Maybe you're here. You're struggling with this thing, with this whole thing of discipleship. You kicking that thing around. You, you've kicked the can till it's just all the way down the road. Man, this morning, boy, it'd be a good morning for you just to just to count the cost of what it's going to be to follow Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pray for us. And. Maybe you, you just do what you need to do. It, it, you want to come to the altar, you're more than welcome to do that. But maybe you just want to take some time this morning. See why. Man, examine why you don't love Jesus. Get in your heart. See why you don't love him. Because you should be here because you love him. You should be here because you love him first and because you love the brethren next. Father, I love you, and Lord, I thank you for being my friend. Lord, there ain't no doubt there's probably somebody in this room that is indeed <clears throat> unsure and wrestling with, uh, wrestling with the, the understanding of their own salvation and what it means to be born again. God, I, I pray, uh, Lord, this morning, God, that you would, uh, Lord, that you'd supernaturally Bring them to a place of earnest repentance. Lord, they're, they're amongst friends here. God, may, may you do a work. May you do a work in their heart.
Lord, for those in this room that is, is, is praying and seeking you and, and, and cultivating the love, man, I, I, I love what Brother Mark would say. We got to get to the place where we're hungry to be hungry and thirst to be thirsty. Lord, I, I pray, uh, God, that you would this morning get within our hearts a, a deep desire to really serve you, to be faithful in our following. There's a whole lot of people that, that, are, that are not being faithful in this day and in this age. And Lord, there's churches all over this place where they can go and not be faithful. But God, I pray that you help us hold the standard high. I pray, God, that you help us to keep the standard high. And Lord, that the expectation will be what it's always been. And Lord, we'll bless your name and we'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well. Uh